Hey everyone, and welcome back to Millennial Mind. I'm so excited to tell you that I've got a new summer series with a very special guest and one that you all loved when she came on my podcast. Every week, I'm trying to make this podcast better for you, and I only ask for one small, tiny little favor from all of you, which is to press the subscribe or follow button wherever you're watching this. I'm so excited to introduce you to this very special series, so let's get into it. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere and even earn money all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or your computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating a podcast today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify, and when you want to take conversations with your fans to the next level, Q&A and polls are the best way to get them talking. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Ever since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I love engaging with my audience with the Q&A and the polls. And I also love the fact that I can upload my video podcast on Spotify because I know my audience love watching it sometimes when they're traveling on their commute. I highly recommend you give it a try and you can download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com forward slash podcasters to get started. Welcome to the last episode of our summer series. I'm really sad. Can I just say, I know I've said this to you before, but no one knows like behind the scenes that we FaceTime each other all the time. And that genuinely I said one of the best things that's happened to me this year is meeting you and doing this series Same. with you. I'm really sad, genuinely. I feel really sad because obviously we're so busy and like I know that we need to make time for each other, but it's just been so great when we're doing this because we, we naturally spend, spend more time together. And so this is our last season. Season? This is our last episode of this lovely summer series. And for that, we want to give back to everyone today and do a little agony aunt. So I put a little question box on my story. Yes. And I asked people to tell me their deepest, darkest problems, secrets, whatever they wanted to share. And hopefully you and I can give them some clarity and give them some advice. I do want to say that Rona and I do not want to be held accountable for the advice that we give you. And we're just going to be actually sharing some thoughts. I don't think we're necessarily going to say you should do this or you should do that. I think we'll just share our thoughts. And if we do feel that you need to perhaps get professional help for any of the things that you say would benefit from like a therapist or a doctor, we'll also Agree. caveat that. Agree. All right. So let's begin. Also, both of our phones are on charge. So sorry, it looks a bit messy, but they're literally always dead. Our phones are always dead. Battery dead, life dead. This is a reflection of how we feel. Okay, so Shiv, so shall I start with the first one? Yeah. Okay. Changing career paths start fresh after being mid-senior in current career. I mean, I know how you feel about this one, so I'll let you go. Oh, how do you know how I feel? I mean, you post about it all the flipping time about changing your career path. Yeah, I absolutely think you should pivot and you'll be okay. However, I do understand this. Look, if somebody is... However, that's however, such a thing. Yeah. <laughs> if somebody is quite senior in their position and they want to go into a completely different role, I think it's a really difficult decision because you do have to accept and understand that you're starting from rock bottom again. But again, this person hasn't really given me a lot of context. So let's say, for example, if I was a senior consultant, I actually spoke about this recently. I was never, you know, a senior consultant. I was never, you know, on six-figure sums. And so even though... 
I quit to do my podcast, it was still a big hit for me because I was still something. And so if you're a senior position and you want to change career paths completely, what I would always say is make sure you have a plan and make sure you know what you want to do before you jump into it. So I wouldn't just say quit your job and say, oh, I hate it. So now what should I figure out and do? I would start figuring out the role you want to be in, get experience in that, understand if that's definitely worth taking the risk for. And then obviously I'm going to say take the risk. I think it's, you know what, the thing is, I think it's not as black and white though because I do think life circumstances that's pay, what I'm saying, pay, yeah. you know, have an effect. Like, Imagine if you're a guy, for example, that works in a corporate job in the city and you absolutely hate it, but you've also got like three children to feed, keep in school and a wife that doesn't work. You know, I think it's all very well, but I think that the what I would say is I got asked this yesterday on my question answer box and I think that you've probably done this maybe... Well, I think we were probably similar, actually. Like, you know, I was about 27. I would have taken more risks. I think that's one of my life regrets, actually, not doing yeah. things sooner. And that's not just with work, by the way, but I just think you have one life. Agree. And like you said, like, I would, the less responsibility you have, the better, you know, because the less you have to potentially lose. Yeah. And I think that I was always a bit risk averse because I was like, but what if, what if? I'm really lucky because I love my job and I chose a profession which was always going to be secure, you know, because it's a vocational profession. But then having said that, there's loads of doctors and dentists that absolutely hate what they're doing 100% and you know they do look at alternative career paths so I do think that the longer you delay taking those risks like I said if you're 50 and you've got a family to feed it's going to be much more difficult but it's not to say that you can't still do it without the right sort of things exactly that's what I mean if I could have started my podcast when I was 25 I wish I could but I'm so happy I actually took the risk when I was 29 rather than waiting till I was 40 because at the age that I did it I didn't actually have a lot of people relying on me I didn't have to worry about so much but at the same time I do think you need to have a plan in place and I was only able to take that risk because I had a plan in place I don't rely on my parents I don't have a husband to rely on either so I did have to feed myself and look after myself and put a roof over my head and so I think it's really important to make a plan before you just quit although I do know it's worked out for people who've just quit and then just seen how it goes so I think it all just depends but definitely having a strategy in place and I'd recommend a few books as well like the lean startup for example is really great to illustrate some of those big decision making processes and atomic habits obviously atomic habits best book ever yes okay next question I've been unwell for two months on a gradual return to work struggling with workload this breaks my heart a bit because I think that when you I presume this person's working in a corporate job when you've been unwell, it takes it out of you. You know, you and I both know that. We're not feeling it today. <laughs> we're literally not. How many times are we going to emphasize this in this episode? Yeah. Literally, we're like... Burnout is real. <laughs> yeah. But I feel that if you're really unwell and you're going back to work, I get it from the employer's perspective that there are like, we've had two months off, you're feeling better now, so now you should be 100%. A lot of companies do have this return to work policy where it's gradual, but if you don't, it's really difficult. And I would just be really honest with your employer and just say, I've had two months off, I wanted to come back sooner, perhaps I shouldn't have come back so sooner because I'm not able to do five days a week at 100%. What I can offer you is doing four days a week at the moment at 100% or three days a week at 100%. Because I think you also go in there and say, I can do five days a week for you at 50%, and they're not gonna think that's good enough. So I think having that open barrier of communication but it is a really difficult one I feel that it's kind of difficult if your employer doesn't want to give you that gradual ease into into coming back and I think also you've got to really take note of how much it's taking it out of you I have a friend um, I suffered myself with long COVID I'm still kind of you know still feel the effects of it I have a guy that I know who 
also suffered really, really badly with long COVID. And he's still not back at work since 2020. And he had to basically pivot in his career path and just decide that he wanted a career that wasn't going to make him so exhausted all the time. And I'm saying that's a privilege because obviously I recognise some people don't have those choices. But definitely speak to your employers. And if they don't have empathy for that, then probably isn't the right job for you. Because or go they to should. HR. Yeah, exactly. So mm. I think that, you know, there are different things. But also don't compare yourself to other people because if you've been unwell, the body keeps the score, as I told you. Um, so, you know, just make sure that you're really giving yourself grace and that you're talking to the right people. Agree. Next. Next. <laughs> this is such a funny question. How do you both stay motivated in yourself and what you do professionally? She's laughing because we both came here being like, babe, I'm so stressed and burnt out. And you, like, literally, that was the conversation. No, I'm laughing because it says, what do you do professionally? You're a dentist. This is my profession. <laughs> oh, no, but I think it's for you, though, as well. What do, what you do professionally is in, like, how do you stay motivated? As in, like, this is you professionally. Yeah, but I found oh, it I funny. Oh, I hear what you mean. Yeah. I hear yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I didn't read it like that. Yeah. Oh, interesting. I read it like that, but you didn't. But that's your imposter syndrome coming through. Yeah, interesting. I'm being really, I'm being really honest with you. Yeah, agree, agree. I think they know that this is your profession. So Who knows? That, you know, and um, well, of course, you know, we know that and we know that, but that's your imposter syndrome coming through because you are incredible at what you do. And I tell you this all the time. <laughs> you do. For me, motivation is really difficult because I actually get guilty when I don't feel like I've been productive. And then I push myself to the point that I can't be productive because I burn myself out so badly that I can't even think straight. Mm -hmm. I know that sounds really strange. But for me, the motivation comes from a fear of failure. I know that sounds really weird, but it's this really deep, intense feeling of... I won't make it. I don't know how to explain it. And I'm not saying that's necessarily a good thing, but I'm being transparent with you guys. I don't think it's necessarily healthy because as I said, I end up just pushing, pushing, pushing. And then I'm like, oh my God, I'm so ill. I can't do mm. anything. But for me, it's that fear. And I guess it comes back to my background, just growing up with immigrant parents, seeing how hard they had to work. And also for them actually making me feel like I had to keep motivated because like, I got ill with chicken pox. And my dad was like, this is X amount of of my money on this day of school, go to school. And they sent me home with chicken pox, babe. I was like, I'll never forget that. So it was like, so no days funny. off. You know, no days off you ever. Chicken yeah. Back to the whole school. Yeah, exactly. Literally. I agree with you. I think I'm at a point where I've recognized that my motivation comes from insecurity. <laughs> Deep insecurity. I cried on Mo Gaudot's podcast the other day. And I was so emotional. I think, okay, this is, this is not true. So before you attack me. But when I turned 30, I had a breakdown like a proper breakdown did you and ever since that weekend I can't stop crying and by the way I would say for this whole year I barely cried like I've barely cried and I was like wow I've become such a strong you know non-crying non-emotional person because I am quite emotional but this year I haven't really been that emotional and ever since I turned 30 I'm just overly emotional I don't know what it is I don't know if it's my period it can't be going on for this long do you know what I mean I blamed it on that and when Mo asked me and we were talking, I, that day I was feeling very emotional and very much like I haven't achieved anything, even though I was going for a podcast with Mo. I still was feeling really low. And I remember on his podcast, he was like, but why do you think that? And I was like, because I've never thought I was good for anything. I've like never believed that I could achieve anything. And the fact that now I'm doing something, I feel like I can never stop. Because if I stop, then it will I stop. It will stop. And I'll never have anything that I can say I've done. And so I realized that 
when you're younger, whatever your insecurity is, I think it kind of flushes through and mine has always been and will always be the fact that I never got 10 A stars or I was never a straight A student. Mm. And for me, it's really impacted me because you are defined by your grades when you're younger. At least I was. I was really defined by my grades and level of intelligence and you know creativity and the job you get and how much money you earn. And so for me, growing this podcast has been more around proving everyone that I have something within me. And that is true. It's so embarrassing. But. No, I was talking to my therapist about some situations that I'm going through and um, she said to me, everything you're feeling is born from the fact that you just don't think you're good enough and that's what we need to work on. Every situation, which is all complete different situations, they're not related to each other. But for me, they're all related because it all boils down to me being like, but I'm not good enough. And, you know, sometimes I'm like, okay, use your pain as power. So that's what I I think that's what I've been doing. I've been Mm. using my pain as power to kind of like push through to do what I can do, to be able to um, to give people, you know, in the way that I can, like improving my dentistry, expanding the team, pushing myself, pushing myself. But I think, you know, there's a limit. And I'm not saying this is healthy. So for that person that thinks that we're constantly motivated, I think, you know, sometimes for Shivani and I, sorry, I'm speaking on your behalf, but it is out of that sort of, fear of not being good enough on some elements you know different ways for both of us but it boils down to that and we're not saying that's a healthy thing to do but I think it's also recognizing that when you see people online and you're like they're killing it they're constantly happy and motivated the truth is we're not like that 100% of the time we all have our days yeah I don't think I'm that motivated I think I'm just very disciplined yeah I think sometimes I'm really not motivated and I'm just like, I want to give up, but I'm disciplined enough because I have a really clear goal. And I think that's probably the most helpful answer is when you understand your vision and you understand your why and you really, really believe that you are able to achieve that bigger picture goal when talking about atomic habits, when you see it as part of your identity, if you're clear in your plan and you map everything out and you're very clear in terms of your long-term goals, your medium-term goals and your short-term goals, You don't have to be motivated every single day. You just have to be disciplined enough to achieve it. And motivation will come and go. You'll get a win here. You'll get a win there. It's not going to come every day. Behind the scenes of the work you're doing, everyone just sees all the highlights and all of the key moments. It doesn't feel like that for me. Every time I get a win, I'm like, fantastic. On the same day I've got, you know, a guest who's amazing is the same day I've been rejected by someone else. Mm. On the same day I've got a partnership is the same day I've been rejected by about 20. Mm. And so it's people only see the good, but they don't see all of the bad. And so I think you've made a good point there to say we're not always motivated, but I do think we are disciplined. And I think that really comes on from having really clear goals. Yeah. Okay, next question. Tips to gain body confidence. How interesting. We just did a podcast on that. So we are... Everyone engaged because we thought it would be a lot more topical and people clearly didn't have lots of opinions. No, they didn't. (laughs) Just tell me quickly, Rona, how do we gain body confidence? I'm still working it out. And to play Justin Bieber, love yourself. (laughs) I think for me, body confidence is something I'm still working on. And I'd I'd definitely be a, it'll be be a complete lie to say that, you know, that I'm happy. And I think for me, really changing the narrative around exercise was really helpful. So recognizing that it was about strength and mental, mental health, rather than just aesthetic goals and changing that. I think also surrounding myself with people that had healthy attitudes towards body image, changing my Instagram feed, not from people that were overly edited, or like these um, Instagram models that like under eight over edited, 
weird but then would be like you know hashtag pizza um you know but actually surrounding put, put like following people on my feed that were like talking having co- like conversations yeah. about you know healthy things like struggles with body image and you know having this healthy conversation so I think that's really important I think that if you're going to be talking though about body confidence for example when it comes to like public speaking and things like that if you're talking about things in a more practical way like in the ways that we've done you know definitely like watching TED talks watching people that I admire which are various shapes and sizes but recognizing that you can have command and your like voice tonation Mm -hmm. the way that you move your hands you know eye contact things like that that really helps and for me watching TED talks was much more powerful than reading books how to do it because I like emulate them I think the biggest tip I would say is that each of us has a unique part about us and we're not all meant to look the same. So if you're not feeling confident in your body, I would say the first thing you need to do is identify one thing that you love. It doesn't have to be identify the whole, your whole body and how much you should suddenly love it, but just identify one thing that you love about yourself and then build that up every time. We've spoke about this on a podcast separately all around body confidence and I was talking around how I sometimes feel really insecure that I have really small boobs or I have a really small bum. But I've just realized that that is part of me. And with that, it means that, you know, I have other parts of my body that I really do like. And so you just have to learn to Beautiful accept long legs. one small part of your body that you love and then work up from there. Great. Okay. So how to deal with stress and anxiety regarding the situations which haven't occurred yet? So I think that's overthinking about what happens in the future. Which is anxiety. Asking the wrong people here, mate. Yeah. I think for me now, like anxiety has been really overwhelming for me recently. But I think the only thing that's really comforted me recently, because I think it's all very well, I'm going to be honest, and you might have a different point in opinion. I think it's all very well being like, oh, if you're feeling anxious, go meditate, go do yoga, go for a walk. But sometimes anxiety is so overwhelming, it's actually crippling. Oh, agree. Like we talked about it today, I got to the gym, Atomic Habits, because even just like putting the stuff on and going, and I got to the gym and I just couldn't work out because my mind was just so occupied I couldn't do it I even went into a class to be like right get yourself out of your own head and I couldn't do it and you know what I actually took myself away and I went this too shall pass this too shall pass and I recognized that nothing ever is permanent and actually that these feelings of anxiety can't be a permanent state so I think it's like sometimes actually I think you know we don't have to be these proactive people that are like everything is amazing and life's good I've got it yes you can you can do all these affirmations I really hated actually one of my best friends said to me the other day she's like are you doing your affirmations every morning have you got a roof over your head have you got like an amazing job and I was like but this isn't helpful because it actually makes me feel guilty for feeling this way. And you're making you're yeah. blaming me. And you yeah. know what? It's actually really unhealthy to be positive. Does toxic positivity? I'm sure you know about toxic yeah, yeah. positivity because life isn't meant to be a continuum of just happiness all it's the time. Not. If life is like Correct. this, when you die, it's like this. Correct. And then I just thought to myself, I feel crap. I feel anxious. I'm so worried about things that haven't happened yet. But this too shall pass. And actually, one of the best things is talking to someone about it. And, you know, I will call you sometimes and be like, I just need to talk it through. I know. I feel for me, though, I become very sheltered when I'm really anxious. I suffer with anxiety, I think, every day because I'm always stressed and nervous. But, like, how I felt stressed and nervous my whole life, I've, I've realized. It's just a pain in my stomach. I get over it. But there are, have been times where I physically cannot get out of bed and I don't know what to do and I don't want to talk to anyone and I, I feel empty. I feel like I've got a glaze 
over my face. And I remember times where I've walked on the train and I've just been looking down and I've just been thinking, I can't do it. Or I'm feeling so low. And really, you're so right. Like, I do affirmations every single day. I do my gratitude every single day. It doesn't mean I'm never going to feel upset. It doesn't mean I'm never going to feel low. But on those days, honestly, I think all I do is just stay by myself and allow myself to feel sad. Correct. And I really, this is so funny, I really play sad songs and I cry so much. So cathartic. watch sad movies. I watch sad, I listen to sad songs and I just imagine the worst things happening in my life and I cry. And then I realise how stupid I'm being because none of these things are happening. But I really do think we need to hold space for feeling upset. But I think this question is more around overthinking into the future. The one thing I will tell you, and this is something that I have really adopted recently, is you do not know what is going to happen in the next second. Right now, a bomb could hit us in one second and we could die. We don't know. I have that nothing is predicted. Sorry, guys, they're probably like really freaked out that mm-hmm. I just said that. I haven't planned anything. But the point is, is that all we know is right now, in the second, in this moment. That is all we know. Every single thing you're thinking about in the future is your imagination. So you can either choose to think about the worst situation or you can choose to think about the best situation. Now, I am an overthinker and I think I'm an overthinker is because I'm deeply empathetic and therefore I understand people's emotions and therefore I'm like, if this has happened, this is going to happen, this is going to happen. And I'm not going to lie, 90% of the time, my predictions are always right about like human behavior and how things are going to happen. But what I have learned to do is just learn to say, look, this is what I predict is going to happen and it probably will happen. But you know what? I'll deal with it when it happens. I'm not going to ruin my moment right now and ruin my Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday thinking about what's going to happen on Thursday. Just let Thursday be ruined. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday can be fantastic. Thursday morning, if I believe that's going to happen, then let Thursday be ruined. But why should I ruin the days before? And I think it's really difficult to allow yourself to get into that practice. I think it's, I th- don't think it's easy to get yourself into that practice. But just ask yourself, what can I control? And, also, and if you can't control it, let it go. So it reminds me of the sunscreen song, right? Um, What's that? Oh, mate. May you guys know the sunscreen song? Oh my gosh, Baz Luhrmann! It's one of the most. Fa- I'm going to send it to you. You're going to sing listen it. to it every morning. I can't sing it. It's actually a speaking song. Oh, and then he goes, "Don't worry, or worry, but know that worrying is just as effective as chewing as uh, trying to solve an algebra equation with chewing gum. The real tr- uh, the real worries um in your life are probably never going to cross cross your worried mind." Interesting. So the point is, is that we can worry about things, but also remember that worrying about things in a way manifests bad things happening. Exactly. And Will Smith said this in his interview with David Letterman. He did ayahuasca. And in his experience, he said 99% of the things you will worry about will never happen. Yeah. They will never happen. And when he did ayahuasca, he said that all of his worries came to him. And he realized that in that moment, he can't control anything. We don't have control. We don't have control. And so, you know, I just asked myself this question. Can I control it? No. Can I change the... What can I do to change the situation? I can't change anything. Okay, move on. I'm not going to give it headspace. Doesn't mean to say I'm not upset about those things. It doesn't mean to say I don't beat myself up about them. I'm just not going to worry about them for months on end. But I will give myself a day of grace, which Rowan and I are doing today, where we're feeling a bit poopy. But I already feel better, though. Do you? I already feel better. Go on, next one. Failed my exams, the last ones, and I needed to qualify... And I feel like a failure who wasted my parents' money. I totally get this. That's so sad. But listen, look, I think that just because you failed your exam doesn't mean you failed your life. Mm. And just because And you also, failed- as we know, sorry to interject there, I do apologise, but... <laughs> 
But um, Richard Branson, didn't he like drop out of school when he was like 13 or something? 15. Yeah. I actually mentioned him in my TED talk. Yeah. He failed. Okay. You know what? If you failed your exams, I've got a great example for you. If you failed your exams and you think you wasted your parents' money, Jamie Simonoff created the ring doorbell, the one you put outside your home and you can see people and you can talk to them through this doorbell, right? Have you heard of it? Yeah. No, kind of. What? I haven't heard of it. Oh my God. I'm pretending because I'm like, the cool kids clearly know. No, no, it's a ring doorbell. I need to get you one for your house. What the hell? Yeah. Well, how would you know if someone's outside your house and is going to burgle it? Intercom. Okay, fine. But you, ring, is there not, like an intercom? Yeah, sim, yeah, it is actually. Yeah, so people who aren't fancy enough to have an intercom. So basically, you have a ring doorbell outside. It has a camera on it. You press it, and you can speak to someone who's inside, or you have it on your phone. So when you're not at home, you can be like, "Yo, why are you trying to burgle my house?" Yeah. You know. Yeah. Jamie Simonoff takes the idea to Shark Tank. All of the judges reject him and say there is no way we are going to invest in you. Your company is not going to be worth a lot. He then goes away. Bear in mind, he spoke to experts. He then goes away and he's like, you know what? I'm not going to listen to you. He improves the idea, Rona. And I think it was five years later. He sells the company for a billion to Amazon. And guess who's the new judge on Shark Tank? Him. Jamie Simonoff. So my point here is if you fail in a moment in your life, understand why that happened, right? Why did you fail your exams? Are you in the wrong career? Did you not work hard enough? Did you not have good exam technique? What was the reason why you failed? Then understand why that happened and then prevent that from happening in the future. So for example, if I did a dentistry exam, I'd fail and there would be be only, the only reason would be I'm not academic enough to want to do that stuff. My point is from that, just to summarize, focus on what you love, figure out what went wrong and then go from there. Don't punish yourself immediately because even if you failed at this one task, like you said, this, this shall two pass, this two shall pass. This two shall pass. And just know that if you failed once, you doesn't mean you're gonna fail every time. Everyone fails in their life at something. Yeah, and I think also the thing is, is that failure, it's about how we come back from our failures. Next one. How do you balance being a new daughter-in-law and setting boundaries? This is such a juicy question. It must be such a juicy question, but do you think it's like a cultural thing? Because I don't sure. feel... I mean, look, to be perfectly honest with you, um, my boyfriend's always like, oh my God, I'm so happy that you and my mum don't speak the same language. Because I'm like, his mum's really pleasant. She doesn't speak a word of English because she's Greek. What? Yeah, and then basically... So you uh, don't communicate? No, don't communicate. And she's completely fine. But obviously, like I think like Greek mothers traditionally can be quite overbearing and quite involved but my boyfriend left home when he was 20. Is it like my, my big fat Greek wedding? Oh, totes, babes, totes, you know, paragalo. Um, so, but my my dad, um, my mum really, really struggled, by the way, because my dad's family, like the Egyptian Coptics, and they hated the fact that my mum wasn't an Egyptian Copt. So like Egyptian Coptics are like the sect of Christianity that are like in the minority. They were basically persecuted from Egypt. Oh my and um, my mum is Christian Lebanese. And my parents aren't religious at all, but like there was this like whole thing of how like she was never really accepted and like there was no boundaries and stuff. But unfortunately, my dad ended up falling out with most of his family because they just wouldn't accept her and he's like this is the woman that I've chosen and loved I've never personally been in that situation and I've always like gotten really well with my partner's parents so I don't really know if I'm mm. honest with you yeah the difficulties of that so I suppose maybe you're better answering that question no, I'm I agree with you I'm in a similar position to you I haven't really had any trouble in that arena just yet but I've, I've seen Made in Manhattan yeah. You have you seen that, right? No, babes, we've got such different tastes in film. I haven't seen Made no. in Manhattan. No, sorry, not Made in Manhattan, Monster in Law. No, who's that? What? Do you watch that together? It's J Lo. And who's the woman? Do you know? Have you guys seen it? 
No one's seen Monster in Law, right? Yeah. Everyone watch Monster in Law. It's a fantastic movie. It's got really big actors in it. I don't know who the other woman is. You'll know her. You'll know her. I can't believe you haven't seen that movie. We have to watch it together. Anyway, look, I don't think it's a cultural thing. I think it's a very much, uh, we pit women up against each other and we love to see that control. And so I think when you watch that movie, you see she's really obsessed with her son. She loves him. She doesn't think Jodo's good for him. Jodo's trying to make an effort with the mom. He's in the middle of it. It's just all a bit dramatic. But I think that setting boundaries when you're going into a new family, let's just not specifically talk about being a new daughter-in-law. I don't think it's actually mentioned mother-in-law, has it? No, we've just made that assumption. But I think that when you're going into a new family, it can be difficult because especially if you're living with that new family, you're essentially having to adjust living in a completely different world that you've been brought up and raised in. And so I think it's really important, again, for you and your partner to be really aligned, whether you're living with your in-laws, whether you're living separately in terms of what's right for you, in terms of how much time you want to spend with each other, if you want to eat whatever food, whatever it is. Be really clear with your partner in terms of those boundaries and then set them with your in-laws. I don't think it should be you setting it with your in-laws without you and your partner being on the same page. Yeah, I hear you. So that's my perspective on that. I like this one. Go on. Where do you think happiness lies? That's a nice one, isn't it? I really, really like this question because I think that since I was a teenager, this question's been so, so prominent to me because I'm like, what is happiness? Mm. Do you know what it is for me? And I think it's actually incredibly personal for people. Inner peace. What I mean by that, it means that you have a real sense of just being calm within yourself. And maybe this relates back to the anxiety situation that I was talking about. And a lot of people, as and we hear them say, like, I thought happiness was like having 10 Lamborghinis and living in the mansion. And then I realized that wasn't happiness. Yeah. And then, then people want to give it all up. Now, I do think it's not very intelligent, actually, to say that those things don't make a difference. And I always say money buys freedom. It doesn't buy happiness. And freedom contributes to happiness. I would say that so, was what makes me happy. Yeah, free. yeah. And freedom is such an important thing. And I've always said to my partner, like, it's so important to me to have resources so I can travel, so that yeah. I can leave my business, because that's what makes me really happy. But for me, it's also really, really, I think the ultimate goal for me in life is inner peace. And inner peace is that real sense of, like, just being okay and having knowing that everything is going to work out and be okay and that anxiety is limited now as I said anxiety is also a normal part of life so we can't eradicate it but you know that sense of calm that for me is something that's so so important and with inner peace does come freedom etc but for me that's what happiness really means see I think freedom is it for me Mm -hmm. to feel free to be able to do what I want when I want to be not ruled by anything or anyone but for me, inner peace is part of freedom, whilst for yeah. you, freedom is part of inner peace. Yeah. So that's really interesting. Again, it's very subjective, and I've got a podcast with Mo Gaudot around my happiness. Egyptian, my Egyptian your fellow Egyptian right, friend. This is a really interesting one. I think you're going to find this good. Where do you draw the line between being nice and being a doormat? This goes back for me to the dichotomy that we feel as women and the roles that are um, subscribed to us and how we should behave as women. Uh, Why do I say that? Because 
at the end of the day, you know, we're expected to be polite, but not too polite. We're expected to please, but not please too much, you know. And you Are you reciting your Barbie speech? No, you know, and actually, you know who did that incredible speech? Um, I think I told you about the Cynthia Nixon, be a lady, they said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've the seen best. it, yeah? Yeah, very good. Um, but she says that, right? Like, you can't be you can't be dressed too conservatively because you'll be a prude. If you dress too revealing, you are a slut, you know? Yeah. Like, it's really difficult as a woman, I think. And I think that boundaries is a word that keeps coming up and I've become better at it. So for me, now I know. And boundaries don't have to be aggressive, right? Like recently, recently I've been going through a challenging time and because of the challenging time, I found that certain people, certain friends of mine who I love dearly trigger me quite a lot. And that's because I don't find their comments helpful or conducive to my mental health. So my boundary is, is to distance myself. That doesn't mean forever, but yeah. that means for now. And I don't do it aggressively. I just don't really respond to the group WhatsApp messages. Mm. And I also just don't engage in conversations that I think are particularly helpful or progressive. Agree. And for me, that's a boundary actually in my head because I'm like, I'm putting a boundary to protect myself and I'm also not going to be that person that engages in certain types of conversation to appease them or make them feel a certain way so I think that if you feel that somebody is taking advantage whatever that may be in your life you need to learn to just put boundaries up and if the person doesn't respect the boundaries that's a sign that they shouldn't be in your life that's what I've learned that is a really nice way of I'm not going to add to that I think that's perfect I think you're so right that we don't know whether we're being nice or being a pushover. And it's such a fine line, but I think only you can define it. I'm really big on people not taking the piss. Yeah. But I think that I'm also really comfortable in being firm with certain people. But again, I also, I'm always like, am I being too mean? Am yeah. I being too harsh? Whatever. Yeah. Okay, this is the last one, I think, because, or should we do two more? Two more. Okay. Waiting on some test results, which get me one step closer to my dream job. How do I deal with it if I fail? I think the most important thing that you've got to recognise is that failure is a part of life and our response to failure is one of the most important things that I've learnt. Mm-hmm. I, as you probably know from Shivani's podcast when she first met me, barely got into dental school. I got rejected from Bristol. It was my dream university. I got all the grades. I got all the curricular activities. I did everything. They didn't want me. And mm. I'm pretty sure it's because they just didn't like me and they felt that I wouldn't be a good dentist. I even wrote to them personally because I was so devastated. And I couldn't get over it. And I went to Leeds University pretending to be someone I wasn't because I knew what they wanted in medical school. And I did get in. And I hated Leeds. I found it really, really challenging. And then guess what? When I was in dental school, it was the same thing. Everyone got a placement. I didn't. I had to go through clearing. And then when I got into my clearing job, it was the same thing. I couldn't get my NHS job. And I kept failing and failing and failing. And it was excruciating. But at the end of the day... I wanted to find out why and I wanted to see what I could do about it. And you know what? I thought to myself, how do I respond to this? Either I cry about it and say I'm not good enough and woe is me and the world is such a terrible place. Or I say, fine, there's things about me and my character and the way that I display myself in the medical world, which not everyone agrees with. But how can I change that? Exactly. And I did change it. I approached journalists. I basically started my own practice. So there's ways that you can respond to that. And remember, your dream job 
may be your dream job. If you don't get it, it may not be your dream job and it gives you an opportunity and one door closes, another door opens. I also think you should look at it as you're climbing a mountain and every time you're reaching for another thing to grab, you might fall a little bit. That doesn't mean you're just going to stay in the mountain, you know, you're going to keep climbing and you have to push yourself and push yourself to get to the top because that's survival. Failure is inevitable and we talked about this in response to the other question. Just because you fail once doesn't mean you're going to fail again. So keep trying, keep going and whoever you are keep motivated when you break up should you stay friends so funny (laughs) this is a funny one I'll tell you why because I my first boyfriend that I had for seven years which by the way a load of people like you stayed in that relationship for seven years and get married yes I was 20 and I didn't want to get married at 27 and we broke up for whatever reason he tried to stay in contact I'm very very much like it's over like if we're over we're over really you're cutthroat wait for it this was in 2015 so eight years ago I have not spoken to him since the day broke up he tried several times until until literally two days ago because his mother reached out to me to tell me that the dad died suddenly which was really really sad so I thought it was the right thing to do so I sent him a message and it made him so happy because he did try to stay friends but the problem was is that he just broke my heart Shivani yeah I get that and I had that with a few there was only two exes that I stayed friends with afterwards that is mad self-control yes he broke your heart and you were able to just not speak to him again cut cut I have very 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 uh, strong willpower and for me I was like you broke my heart you were talking about getting married to me you literally went to the point of buying the ring and then you just decided that you didn't want it anymore and Mm. to me that was just not good enough and I just cut it completely I just cut it completely so the question is do you think you should stay friends your answer is obviously no I think it depends on the circumstance actually I think if it ends like okay say for example you just both fall out of love with each other and you're kind of mates do you know those situations yeah 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 Yeah. obviously you can yeah Yeah, you can and the the person I stayed friends with we had a really really honest conversation and he was very respectful and I thought the way he handled it was really great but then when I tried to stay friends, well, we, we did stay friends, but I was secretly still in love with him and I mm. kind of hoped he changed his mind. So I'm not sure it was completely healthy. But once I got over, I was happy to be friends with him. It's really difficult because it depends on your relationship. A lot of people break up because of the fact that they're not perhaps so someone I know, they broke up because they weren't, you know, sexual with each other anymore. And therefore they were able to stay friends because they loved each other so much, but they just didn't have any chemistry. So I think, yeah. But they gra- end up to go meet other people just out of curiosity. Yeah, they, 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 they split. And they're still friends, but they go on to like meet oh, other people, yeah, yeah, get they, married, and stay yeah, friends. Yeah, 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 yeah. They split, but they're da- they're dating other people because they were married. It's a difficult situation because it's people have different reasons as to why they break up one is if they are married and they just stop having you know chemistry between one another so they've accepted that they don't have any chemistry they still love each other and we talked about this last time you can still love someone but you know be with somebody else they can stay friends and then you have people who have broken up and their hearts being broken and they stay friends because they want to continue that love and romance but also not have that commitment and then you have people who have such a lovely breakup it's like they never loved each other in the first place I think it's weird to be best friends with someone you've loved. So let me just put this into perspective. If you have a boyfriend for two weeks, yeah, of course you can stay friends. Yeah. Also, my opinion, I'm not saying what you shouldn't shouldn't do, but if you've been married, or let's say you've been in a long-term relationship, I don't think you should also just cut it because it's really hard to just let go of someone that you've been with for such a long time. Like, you have mad self-control. I wouldn't be able to do that mm. because 
you miss that person as your friend as well. And so whilst it's But not, again, it's circumstantial because also that's you, my could point. Be, you could be selfish, right? For like, sure. Say, Shivani, that you... Someone cheated on you. But also, or say that person was still madly in love with you, but you love them as a friend, but they loved you as like, it's not fair on them. It's not fair on like, them. I want to be best mates with you. I. That's why I think you should never be best friends because I think that love is always going to be there. But I think that you can be civil. And you can be like, when you see each other, like, hey, how's it going? It doesn't have to be horrible yeah. when you see each other and you have to make a drama out of it, which has happened to me before. Last question, Rones. So sad. Go on. Okay. Someone's just asked, sorry, cost of living with mortgage rates, ETC, any tips? I don't bloody know. Why do people think I'm like a financial advisor? I don't know any of these tips. Can someone please come on? Okay. Maybe I'll get a finance person to come on. Okay, I've got here. I don't want to get married. I'm 33 and I'm not ready. I feel the pressure and I have been hurt, used and misled. Whoever you are, I just want to give you a really big hug. I know. That is a really hard position to be in because the pressure you get, especially if you come from an ethnic background, is enormous. But again, and I really hope, you know, Shivani and I have done our utmost best to create conversations that are balanced, that give differing points of views, but also comfort to the fact that not everyone's life has a single trajectory. And it's so important. And we say this with the utmost love because both of us have not conformed to society in different aspects of our life. My heart bleeds for you because honestly, when I turned 30 and I wasn't married, I actually thought my life was over and I thought I should completely give up. I used to say really awful things like, should I kill myself? Do you know what I mean? Because I was so scared of the judgment of society. But at the end of the day, I really want to tell you, as Shivani says, I want to give you a massive hug and firstly say, do what's right for you. If you don't, if you're scared of doing it, you need to address that. Like, yeah. what's the fear? Because sometimes people are scared of intimacy and they become avoidant because they've become, they experience so much pain. Agreed. So they're like, I hate it. Everyone's hurt me and it's awful. But, you know, address those issues. I'd recommend getting a therapist. I have an incredible therapist you should follow online. Her name is Ella McChrystal. She's really incredible. There is also a book called... Um, uh, what's it called? It's about like the different relationship types attached. So in that book, you will see the different attachment style that you have. If you've become avoidant, you can address that. It will also help guide you into the type of person that would be right for you if you have that certain attachment style. But if you genuinely don't want to get married because you don't want to get married, don't get married and don't conform because you're going to end up hating your partner and hating your life. And the most important thing is, is that you find that inner peace, which I said is the ultimate goal of happiness, to know that the decision that you're making is right for you and not anyone else because at the end of the day guess what we think so many people are thinking about us but they're actually thinking about themselves and their own lives and I do think I do want to sympathize with the pressure because like you when I turned 30 I did actually feel really 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 sad and if you asked me I would say I don't feel sad I'm fine like I don't care and I'm I'm not bothered but I do feel sad you know we all have expectations of ourselves no matter who you are and I think that it's they are internal but they are created by society and it's all well and good you and I are saying don't let everyone affect you but those opinions do affect you and I think that what you said is really great in terms of getting that help and going to see a therapist about it so you can uncover those things if you have the affordability to do that but if not I've found YouTube has just been such a saving grace and there's some amazing people I'm going to recommend the anxious love coach as well she's so great so great I think I sent you some of her stuff because I worked with her as well Ella McChrystal yeah um you know these people they provide free content online and they can you know uncovering those different things reading those books so I think that you know it's a really difficult one and I understand you're going through that pressure but please don't make a decision based on everyone else because they're not going to live your life you are it's over I know so 
I always, I want to thank Shivani first and foremost. I feel like I'm thanking someone like on my wedding day. Yeah, literally. I'm, um, I'm like, oh, wow. So one of the greatest things that Shivani and I learned throughout this series is that amazing things can happen when you come together, when you collaborate and when women support other women. Uh, you know, we met randomly at an event, one of our friends events. And, you know, being two confident women, you don't know what to expect. And, you know, trying to navigate through a world where people are just out for themselves. I think that, you know, we welcomed each other with open arms. You know, we were both so surprised at how much we wanted to help each other and you know we really took a leap of faith and you know I'm <laughs> so it feels yeah. like our wedding is yeah, yeah. <laughs> so but you know I'm so grateful you know I'm I'm just a dentist you know and you know I love my job and Shivani is somebody that has inspired me so so much you know and I know that she's got her avid followers who I'm so happy to have you know connected as well but you know you really are amazing and I think that you know uh Everything we do together is about creating a space for people to express their views, to, you know, feel safe, to inspire them in some way. So thank you for giving me this opportunity. Oh, Rona. No, it's been my pleasure. I think ever since we connected, I've just loved spending all my time with you. And I think you're so right. I think... You know, we have this idea that we have to pin pin up against each other. That can only be one confident girl and what the other one has to be the shy one. And I hope we've shown people that Rona and I had no idea who each other were. We met each other. And from that, we were like, how can we... What, what, actually, we didn't even talk about that. I was talking about moving out. You said, I have a flat in London if you ever need any help. If you were renting it or what, I, what areas to live in. I don't even know how we came together. I saw you at the gym another time. And it was very easy. And I think that... There's always going to be people who want to love you because the world is all around giving love and receiving love. I know yeah. this sounds like Joey's speech from Friends. Oh my God, again, I'm referring to Friends and you don't know what I'm talking about. But I really do believe that when you open your heart to someone else, they will open their heart for you. Love wins. And, you know, you have you keep saying thank you to me, but, you know, thank you for coming here every week and putting your time to being with me and doing this whole experience with me over the summer. I think that everyone has loved seeing our different opinions. Thank you for taking the hate when <laughs> we've argued about polarizing opinions. It hasn't been, you know, so smooth sailing in some parts. We've had to refilm. We've had to rush to the studio. We've had to ignore loads of uh, banging that's been going on. But I really appreciate you. I love you. I love you too. And again, this is like our wedding speech, isn't I it? Know. People are going to be like, go. And thank further. you so much to the community that Shivani's built. And, and you've Yeah, and hopefully there'll be something else in the future. See you soon. See you. Bye.